Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Thursday night we're going back into action we've had some time off but the Dolphins are preparing to move on to the Seattle Seahawks this Sunday at Hard Rock Stadium the Dolphins picked the first win last week and Joshua before we jump into anything else here on Finsider Radio there's one question that burns deep inside of me that I have to ask whenever is possible Josh is it safe to say that the Miami Dolphins are officially in the hunt it is it's safe to say the Miami Dolphins are officially in the hunt I mean we've been come accustomed to this over the last what decades so yep they're in the hunt again and uh, you know at the end of the year with those final four games remaining i'm sure we're gonna all feel that heartbreak but for now miami dolphins are in the hunt josh allen's gonna like plow over uh like kyle van Noy going into the end zone i mean i still had nightmares of the geno smith plowing over Denal ellerby when the dolphins just had to beat the jets at the near the end of the season to make the playoffs and and everything would have been gravy but i mean we got to think about it this way the dolphins have seattle they have a hurt san fran team they have a very hurt Denver team that, I mean, we can talk about Thursday Night Football, but, but I prefer us not to <laughs> with that Jets-Denver game last night where Denver pulled off the victory and the Chargers as their next four games. Josh, I could I could sit here and tell you how the Dolphins are going to be 5-2, and two, and that is what I love about our show because we're not going to sit here and, and kind of just kind of go with the flow. I mean, I've picked the Dolphins to win three games so far, and it, it we're just going to try to give a different perspective of what's happening here. I don't want to be an echo chamber for everything else is going on. That's what makes this Finsider Radio. And if you are enjoying what you're listening to, smash that subscribe button. We had five new ratings kind of pop through our podcast feed over the last week. So we appreciate that so, so much. And if you're enjoying it that much, please leave a comment. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you didn't like. And give us some reactions about how you're feeling on the team. And if you don't want to do that on iTunes, on Spotify, wherever you subscribe to your podcast, hit us up on Twitter. I am at jmendel94 at Houts, uh, he's posting some great videos throughout the week of just how the Dolphins have been playing. He tries to get the All-22 and give us some looks. Hell, he even posted a video of Chester Rogers catching a ball from Tua Tagovailoa earlier in the preseason, so that is a little thrilling. Josh is always going to give you the information of wherever it comes from. It usually ends up on the house feed. We have Shaq Lawson retweeting some of his stuff, so that's exciting. If you want to make sure you get Dolphins content, you need to be following Houts because he is the go-to guy for it. Joshua, we are entering the week. Seattle Seahawks at Miami Dolphins, a West Coast team going all the way to South Florida. And I think we got to start with the news. And I think the most important news, you always lead with it. Uh, Byron Jones said he's feeling really, really good. Adam Beasley reported that as of Friday morning in the part of practice that was open to the media, he was on a bike. He was limited practicing on Wednesday or on Thursday. So two limited practices. Uh, we kind of talked about this before the show. He's trending in the right direction, and the Dolphins paid Byron Jones not to like be safe with him, right? They paid him all this money because they expect him to be out there every week, playing every week. How are you feeling about Byron Jones' potential ability to play come the Sunday? That's the million-dollar question. I think you're right. The Dolphins gave this guy a monster contract. 
I was one of the the few people, and I still feel this way. I feel like if if he's healthy and Xavier Howard's healthy, I think Byron Jones is the better overall shutdown corner. I mean, this guy's mm-hmm. physical. He's just a monster man coverage. He's everything that the Dolphins needed, and we brought him in. We kind of swooped in there. No one even thought the Dolphins had interest in Byron Jones, to be completely honest. I went in the shower. I remember the day like it was yesterday. I came out. Byron Jones just signed with the Dolphins, dude. Texted all my fans, uh, friends who are Eagles fans because I knew that they were all hyped about him. Dude, it felt so good, and we have yet to see that potential truly get on the field. And when you're playing a team like Seattle, a team that has Russell Wilson playing out of his freaking mind, and as you have it here, Metcalf is third in the league in receiving yards with 297, and Tyler Lockett is 10th with 259 yards receiving. We know how explosive Seattle's offense is. Uh, yes, the Dolphins have Noah Igbenogany. Yes, they have guys like Nick Needham and, and Tay Hayes and these other guys that can come in there and potentially do some damage in coverage. But at the end of the day, you need a guy like Byron Jones out there. You need that Xavier Howard out there. You need those two guys out there to counter a tandem like DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And it's Friday. We know we're still going to have some information leak out between now and game day. We don't know what's going to happen. But if the Dolphins want to have any fighting chance, in my opinion, they absolutely need that Byron Jones and Xavier Howard healthy for this game. I, I completely agree, and it's a little scary, it's a little spooky, because, I mean, when you look at these two cornerbacks, uh, they, they've both had injuries in their career, every football is, football player has injuries throughout their career, but, I mean, when you have Byron Jones on what go down on the first series in week one, uh, you, you're kind of scared that when they're both out there, then someone else is going to go down on the first series or something like that, uh, but, you know, we, we really just need to see this team out there healthy together, and we hope there's an opportunity for that, because Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, DK Metcalf was tweeting yesterday about Lockett is the most underrated wide receiver in the league, and I think you can make a case for that. I mean, uh, you could kind of joke that, I mean, this guy has been Doug Baldwin for the last 10 years. I mean, for the just the sake of he's always consistent, he's always there, and he's always underappreciated. This duo of Metcalf and Lockett have combined for seven touchdowns in three games. Metcalf already has twenty or uh, five plays of 20 yards or more, and I think what Byron Jones brings to the secondary is you can really flex that depth that the Dolphins, I think, do still have in that secondary, even though we're a bit concerned about it. Uh, you could have Jones and Howard obviously line up on the boundaries, try to contain these two guys. With Noah Igbenogany playing inside, he has that last burst that we really saw against Jacksonville. I mean, we saw him just miss a couple plays in that Buffalo game where uh, Stephon Diggs, the top 10 wide receiver in his own right, just out outplayed him. I mean, he was pulling balls away from Igbenogany. It's just... You're a rookie. Um, And then, you know, what we can start to think about is with both these guys back on the boundary, you have Noah on the inside. You could even line up Bobby McCain against receiver two if needed. I mean, if they're lining up four deep, you got to be a little excited about what the Dolphins can do with these guys. I know Buffalo was one of the teams uh, that, I think they're lining up with four wide receivers like 67% of the time. Some crazy number like that. That's just kind of what you're used to seeing from uh, Madden when you have four guys. You know you're going deep, that type of thing. But... For the Dolphins, I think they need—they truly need all these guys healthy to be able to really accomplish uh, what they want in their game plan. And Josh, I mentioned about moving Bobby McCain around. You can put him on a receiver, but but we saw a strong performance from him on Thursday night against the Jaguars as the free safety is breaking up some passes. What did you see on the film that, that really was working so well for him? And yeah, I think you make a great point about Noah Igbenogany. I mean, we saw in that Buffalo game, he just had no answer for Stefan Diggs, but he did make some decent plays last week bounced back, made that huge stop on third down. So I like where your head is with Noe Benogany, but you're absolutely right. Bobby McCain is a guy that, you know, myself, pretty much all Dolphin fans, they're a little skeptical of him at safety, looked out of position a lot, you know, early in the season, but he just showed up everywhere against Jacksonville, made that play on that Kyle Van Noy pass that kind of fluttered in the air where he absolutely just 
disembodied Chris Thompson. <laughs> I know we all saw that hit. That ball was almost completed if Bobby McCain didn't come over and make that play. So, I mean, this guy was all over the field, and we continue to hear it. Despite what we say, despite, you know, how hesitant we were. You know, we all like Winfield, and we all like Ashton Davis in the draft. We all had the guys that we wanted at safety. We keep hearing these coaching staff. They preach leadership. You know, how his communication is pre-snap, getting players lined up. I think what Bobby McCain does on the field is a lot more than what we see. But, I mean, this guy was all over the place, made plays in coverage, came up and helped in the run game. This is what you want to see out of Bobby McCain. It was a step in the right direction, in my opinion. And that's all you can really ask for. I know you have it written here. Clayton Fajit. I'll let you say his name, but he's he's a full go. Clayton Fajitlium. <laughs> We're going with that. You, you got it better than I will. <laughs> Clayton Fajitlium. I think I even listened to it on the website. They have like the, how you can pronounce their names. I think I even know how to say it. But he was finally you know able to practice. He might be out there. He's a special teams guy. I made the joke, you know, if you play Madden, you go in there and auto-reorder that depth chart. The first thing that they do is they put him in at free safety over Bobby McCain. So, you know, is that some type of omen? I don't know. But the Dolphins have a bunch of versatile defensive backs. That starts with Bobby McCain. I know that he made that big contract in the nickel. A lot of fans, including myself, would rather see him go down there and, you know, make some plays in in the slot because that is truly, you know, that's what the NFL game is starting to evolve into. If you have that shutdown corner at nickel, like that, that changes everything. Dolphins hope they have that no Igbenogany. They hope they have Bobby McCain as their free safety. I just want to see him continue to get better each and every week. And we saw that for once, you know, it really jumped out on the tape against Jacksonville. Yeah, and with that too, I mean, I, I can't believe I'm sitting here and saying I can say Igbenogany better than I can say Clayton's last name. But, I mean, here we are. Uh, and speaking of the injuries, I mean, that Seattle Seahawks injury report, my God, is this thing large. I mean, they do have guys like Puna Ford on there twice. So, I mean, it's a little bigger than it has to be. Uh, but, but I'm just going to run through these. Chris Carson, starting running back, limited with the knee injury. Carlos Hyde, backup running back, limited with the shoulder injury. Carlos Hyde, I think it's a sprained knee, and I don't, I, I don't think he's probably. If I was a betting man, I'd say he, uh, he probably isn't going to play. That could just be me looking at that in Dolphin shades. But I think the Seattle Seahawks, they have the Dolphins this week, Vikings uh, at home on Sunday Night Football next week, and then their bye week. So I wonder how safe they're going to be, especially with Russell Westbrook playing as well as he is, leading the league in touchdowns. Uh, Shaquille Gift. Griffin, excuse me, starting quarterback, cornerback, limited with the shoulder injury. Dwayne Brown, starting left tackle, limited with the shoulder injury. Jamal Adams, groin, not practicing. That one is absolutely huge because for how much the Seattle Seahawks defense has struggled, a lot of the times they're playing from behind, and someone like Jamal Adams really gives uh, a defense perspective because he can still make that play when needed that can really flip the field despite, you know, you might give up a couple 10-yard plays, a couple 20-yard plays, but when it gets into the red zone, Jamal Adams is going to be the guy that's always near the ball, helping uh, helping the defense force uh, opposing teams to kick field goals. Quentin Dunbar, starting cornerback, not practicing. Josh, that these things are exactly why I want to tell you the Miami Dolphins have a shot. Um, you know, on a given week where everybody is healthy, I'd be a le- little more concerned, even if it was Byron Jones and Chris Carson both healthy, because Carson's an animal on the ground. I don't think the Dolphins' uh, run-stopping game is really where it has to be just yet. Uh, but, I mean, just with all this going on, I think the Dolphins have a little bit shot, little bit of a shot, and we'll get into that right after our first break, where we provide three keys to this game. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. 
and I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. As I mentioned before the break, Seattle, Russell Wilson has been absolutely bananas to start the season. And, you know, what we saw last week for Ryan Fitzpatrick is 18 for 20 on Thursday Night Football with a 133 quarterback rating, which is fantastic. It was great to see. And that's why the first key of the game is for the Miami Dolphins to go to the air early. Seattle defense is giving up 432 yard, 430 yards per game in the air, which is 32nd in the league, and 8.5 yards per attempt, which is 30th. What the Dolphins did last week is they scored on their first three drives. They were really aggressive. They mixed in the pass and run really well. And the Dolphins can't escape that. Yes, we could kind of argue that Seattle's defense, uh, they're in a situation to give up so many yards because they're cooking so early. They're up 28 to 3. They're up 21 to nothing, whatever it may be, in almost every game because of Russell Westbrook. And then your defense kind of plays a different way because you're just trying to limit big plays. Uh, you're allowing teams to score, but you're taking time off the clock, which is more important than allowing points than when you're up 21 nothing, you know? And we need to see the Dolphins kind of come out and do what they did last week. I don't think Fitzpatrick's could be nearly as perfect every week. Otherwise, he'd be one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Uh, he's kind of been up and down through his entire career. But we did see two harsh games against the Patriots and Bills. So, I mean, as I mentioned at the top, Seattle, a hurt San Fran team, followed by a hurt Denver team. I mean, this could be the Fitzmagic stretch that happens every season. We could be getting it early instead of late this year. And I think that's really the key, first key we see uh, this week is that the Dolphins need to go blow for blow with that Seattle passing offense early on. Yeah, and I mean, that's crazy to think about. You know, the Miami Dolphins... If we look back week one against the New England Patriots and we're sitting here saying they got to go into a shootout to beat Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. I don't know that anyone would have liked our odds, but Fitzpatrick looked great last week. I mean, he completed, like you said, 18 to 20, had a, what was it, a perfect passer rating. I think he completed the most, was it the most consecutive completions or something in Dolphins history? There's some kind of record that he broke. Brian Tannehill Guys, has that. Okay, so, oh, <laughs> God. Uh, well, he's a wide receiver, so maybe that's what it was. Maybe the, he was the first quarterback to do this. Um, but, you know, it was <laughs> Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick has to go out there, and he, they have to be clicking on all cylinders. And to me, it all starts with those receivers. You mentioned them having to go out there and go to the air early. It, it comes down to Devontae Parker and Preston Williams, and those two guys are mammoths on the outside. We know what Mike Jasicki does. you got to get him more involved than the the three targets he saw last week. But it's it's going to be fun. I mean, that's that's all I can continue to go back to is just thinking about last week, and we kept hearing about this hype surrounding, you know, Minshew and, and Fitzpatrick. Now you got Russell Wilson, who has the best start, 14 touchdowns throughout the first three games, you know, the best start. In, and then if, it's insane, and they're clicking on all cylinders. The, the Seattle Seahawks are absolutely a Super Bowl contender, and they're coming to Miami, and you said their list is banged up. It looks like, you know, you see some SpongeBob gif where he pulls out that list and just keeps going for, like, three or four frames, or when you're a little kid, you see these huge Christmas lists. I mean, this is a huge injury report. The Dolphins, the, 
everything's starting to come together. I mean, it, this is the perfect whirlwind, like you said, for the things to come together in Miami to pull out the upset because do you think the Seattle Seahawks, I mean, we all hear, yeah, take one game at a time. Do you, do you think they're they're 3-0? They and they just beat the Dallas Cowboys. You know, they beat the New England Patriots earlier in the year. They're coming off some pretty impressive victories, playing some of the best football offensively that you've ever seen. So they got to feel pretty good, and the Dolphins got to feel pretty good because that offensive performance that we saw last week, it, it was very good throughout, you know, the first two quarters at least. They string that together for four. Ryan Fitzpatrick plays a near-flawless game like we saw last week, and, and anything could happen. So go to the air early, but you absolutely got to get out there, and you got to establish that run game too because, as we'll talk about later in the show, Miles Gaskin, clear running back one, clearly an impact in the running game, can clearly make plays in the passing game. You're nothing if you can't get that, that run game started because then they don't, you know, then they're just playing back. They're playing that man coverage, and they're just letting you, do, you know, they're keeping everything in front of them. So, I, you got to get that run game started early, and that's going to open up the passing game. And at that point, you know, you got those two guys on the outside. Let them feast because that's the only way the Dolphins are going to win is if they score, you know, three, four touchdowns that we haven't really been accustomed to over many years. Yeah, and I think it really comes out to sustainability, right? Um, can Russell, Wells, West, Russell Westbrook, yeah, uh, Russell Wilson really keep this pedal to the metal for so long. I mean, I think there are going to be down games. I mean, we saw Patrick Mahomes struggle against the Chargers, and I think the Dolphins' wide receiver group is still not where it's supposed to be. Um, you know, you look at Preston Williams. Yes, he had a touchdown last week, but, I mean, he's only caught five receptions on 14 targets, and the Miami Dolphins have four or three guys, excuse me, who are averaging at least 12 yards per catch. You have Parker sitting right at 12.1, Jacecki at 14.6, and Williams at 14.8. And the big thing that the Dolphins offense hasn't done is the yak. I mean, Miles Gaskin has 91 uh, yak yards, which is kind of confusing because he only has 91 receiving yards on the season. So it sounds like he's catching every ball at the line of scrimmage. I think that must be some sort of an issue there. But outside of that, they have nobody above 36 yards of yak. I mean, I think this offense is very capable of breaking off big plays, and I'm going to talk about Gaskin doing that later on in the show. But, I mean, that's that's going to be the key for the Dolphins. I mean, you see DK Metcalf breaking off the big plays. I mentioned he had five of 20-plus yards. I think the Dolphins have the players. Um, we kind of disagreed with, with Joe Buck and everybody kind of saying that a hobbled Devontae Parker. I think he was healthier or healthy enough last week, right? And if we can kind of sit here and say we want to agree with them, he should be legitimately healthy this week. And hopefully that means he's going to be breaking off some big plays, you know, beat a cornerback, take one to the house, something like that, where it's not Fitzpatrick, you know, all air yards. It's these receivers who have all the talent in the world kind of going through and making a big play. And that leads us to our second key of the game. And that's simply trust your guys. What the Dolphins did last week in the second half was understandable, but it's not a way to win football games. And by that, I mean, it's just the kind of run up the middle, run up the middle, run up the middle, kick a field goal. Um, we can't say it enough is how Russell Wilson is leading the league in touchdowns, averaging almost five a game. The Dolphins cannot play the field position battle because that's just a simply a way to lose. This team legitimately has to learn how to win, and that's what the 2020 season's all about. We talk about 2021 where everything comes together, but in order for the Dolphins to really be in a position to take that step, they need to learn how to win. They need to understand what it means to win. And by that, I mean running on third and six to set up a fourth and one to take a flag on fourth down just to punt cannot happen. That cannot be the game call. If you are running the ball on third and six, you should know before that ball snapped on third down that you're going for it on fourth down. That is just simply how you should be winning football games. Um, settling for field goals is another thing that cannot happen. 
the Dolphins have to stop turtling in the red zone where they just run it over and over and over. There was a put late in the game. I, I think they kicked a field goal, and it was Miles Gaskin running it th- three times right up the middle, unable to break tackles, and they just kicked the field goal, and you kind of wipe your hands clean and say, that's that. You mentioned it earlier. They need to mix the run and pass early to get everyone everything flowing. You need to trust that Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to be that guy. You need to trust that Devontae Parker is going to continue to be sucking up every pass that comes his way. He was 6-for-6 last week, despite, quote-unquote, being hobbled. You know, it's just as simple as guys love scoring touchdowns. If Jacecki scored a second touchdown in that game, you let Devontae Parker score his first. This team, the confidence is going to keep growing and growing. You saw Austin Jackson going nuts when Jordan Howard scored his touchdown last week. He was so jacked up. We saw Solomon Kinley, our guy jazzed up when he stopped a guy or when he drew a guy off sides automatic first down those are the type of plays that help you go grow confidence not the running it three times and settling field for a field goal not running it to set up a fourth and one just to take a penalty these aren't the plays that let your guys know they are capable of competing with anyone simply put it's fun to win. It's fun to score touchdowns. You, the Dolphins, Chan Gailey, I know it's a different breed of football now than it was 15 years ago. I mean, he was the Dolphins' offensive coordinator 20 years ago. We need to kind of get into this mindset that the Dolphins' ceiling as a team is capped if they continue to be this conservative. The next step of progress is developing these habits. Hey, we have it on a fourth and one. We know we're going to score. We're inside the 10-yard line. We are going to score the football. I don't care how. I don't know what we're going to do. But the Dolphins have the talent. They have the ability to score wherever this is a situation. I mean, we see Miles Gaskin has no touchdowns on the season. Yes, we can kind of toss that up to Jordan Howard having three from inside the one-yard line. But at the same time, spin zone you know you can kind of think of it this way why did we just run it up the middle three times with miles gaskin why isn't anyone able to break a tackle and make a play right you know the play calls might be bad but you know there's also the other side of these players can have the potential to really hit the home run themselves despite a bad play call and i think that's really the dolphins taking the next step and trusting the guys is what you're going to need to do to be able to keep up with that dolphins or that seattle offense yeah, you absolutely got to trust the guy next to you and, you know, just trust your teammates. And like you said, Devontae Parker, they kept saying how he was hobbled. Maybe that is just normal Devontae Parker. You know, maybe we're so used to him being hampered by some type of injury that a hobbled Devontae Parker is a healthy Devontae Parker. And, you know, he was out there making those plays. He absolutely needs to step up in this game. Uh, one thing I do want to say, and we're talking about trust your guys. I mean, I don't know why. And again, I think maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick told the team beforehand, I'm putting this game on my back. But in those short yardage situations, if if Ryan Fitzpatrick, if you guys want to have a chance at making the playoffs this season, and you believe Ryan Fitzpatrick gives you the best chance to win, which is clear the case because he won't be the starter right now if that wasn't, you know, it wasn't the issue. Why is he running these second and one he's third and one why like why is he taking those unnecessary Mm -hmm. hits we sit here and we say you don't want Tua going out there and you want Tua to learn how to slide and not take these necessary hits why the hell is the 37 year old leader that everyone on the team preaches is you know that guy why are you letting him go out there and look like Larry Zonka so trust those guys (laughs) give Jordan Howard a ball uh, a third and one carry you know at at midfield it doesn't have to be at the goal line he doesn't have to snipe all Miles Gaskins carries um and it's just it's just crazy to me so absolutely trust those guys around you trust them the same way he did you know a week after Preston Williams dropped that sure touchdown that ultimately decided that game. You know, that would have been the difference between a win and a loss when you look at the scoreboard. He went out there the very next week and trusted Preston Williams to use his hands to make that catch. He went out there and made that catch early on. You know, and you're right. The Dolphins have to string this together because it was nice to have that early lead, that that 
the, the jump out early in those first two quarters and then kind of sit back and just apply the pressure because we saw what happened when you did that. And that's what we'll talk about in this next segment after I, I finish on my soapbox. But the Dolphins were able to attack the Jacksonville Jaguars because everyone knew they had to throw the football. You know, you could unleash an, an Andrew Van Ginkle. You can unleash a Shaq Lawson when no one's expecting the run, and you can just drop everyone back and just send the pressure from all different angles. The Dolphins have to go out there, and they have to be aggressive through all four quarters, both offensively and defensively. We talk about establishing the run game getting that big meat up front, ready up there. You know, this is the first time we're going into a battle in in recent memory, you know, against the Seattle Seahawks where I'm like, damn, yo, this offensive line, like, I, you know, you're ready to go to war behind them. You believe that they can go out there and bully mm-hmm. Seattle's defensive line for four quarters. And we mentioned the secondary. I mean, their secondary is absolutely depleted. Swiss cheese, that's how you have to attack it. And you got to do that, like you said, by trusting your guys. You got to go out there and make those plays. Give Miles Gaskins those outside runs. Give him some chances. I'm gonna, I still want to see more of Matt Breida. I mean, maybe that's just greedy yeah. of me, but I feel like Matt Breida can bring more than what we're seeing. You know, the the five. He's only getting what five touches a game, if that. I mean, I'd have to look, but not enough. Jordan Howard's just becoming that guy that as soon as he's on the field, the entire world knows they're running the football. So. You you see the progress, you see the offense and defense, both sides starting to develop throughout the weeks. It just needs to all come together, and we got to see it for four quarters because the Dolphins can play two good quarters of football, but you're still going to lose by three or four touchdowns to Russell Wilson and this Seattle Seahawks team, regardless of how bad the secondary is. We mentioned how well the Dolphins have to go out there. they got to trust their guys. they got to throw the football. The biggest thing here is they got to rush the passer. I mean, we saw a a huge difference last week from the way Kyle Van Noy played. I mean – I feel like he heard people chirping on Twitter, and he heard the outside noise. And that guy went out there, and he played easily the best game in a Dolphins uniform. And I know he's only been here for for three, but I mean, Kyle Van Noy looked like that difference maker, and looked like the guy that the Dolphins thought they were getting when they went out there and made that signing. Uh, Andrew Van Ginkle, he has one and a half sacks. Baker and Grazier Hill, I mean, these guys, they were all over. Grazier Hill, we saw him just come in on a nano blitz. Look, like he was mad, and when you. You find a way to exploit the AI, and he just shot free and, and made a sack on, I think it was a crucial fourth down. So it was night and day from what we've seen. They did a, a great job setting the edge as well. I mean, there were some plays where Shaq lost, and, you know, he set the edge, swung back inside, made some plays. Emmanuel Agba was all over the field. I mean, that is what you wanted from these guys. And, again, we're three weeks into the season, you know. I, I was going to make a joke how we, we say the Dolphins played one good half of football. Is that not what you want in your third preseason game? I mean, that's exactly what you would have wanted, uh, you know, if if – the world was normal. So let, let's hope the Dolphins go out there and string together a good game of football, but they need to find ways to get to the quarterback because if they sit there and let Russell Wilson drop back, regardless of whether Byron Jones is healthy, regardless of whether Xavier Jones or Xavier, <laughs> Xavier Howard's healthy, I mean, it's going to be a long day. Yeah. And so the key here is that, you know, you mentioned everybody who has sacks here, you know, Van Noy with two, Van Ginkle is one and a half. Baker and Grugier Hill both have one. These are all linebackers. And, you know, the blitzing worked against Minshew. They were able to frustrate him. But, I mean, Russell Wilson's a dis- different breed here, right? So I think the, the the main key here is the Dolphins have to be able to pressure uh, Wilson with only rushing four. I mean, we mentioned that the, Dol- the Seattle Seahawks have a couple of their starting offensive linemen struggling with injuries. So we have Zach Sealer has half a sack. Emmanuel Agba has one sack. Among guys who start on the front four or play in the front four, these are the only ones with with sacks. That needs to change this week. We need to see more Shaq Lawson. We need to see, you know, Raekwon Davis looked like the biggest dude on the field out there last week. I'd love to see more of him. Josh, Zach Sealer isn't a guy we kind of were excited about early in the season. I mean, he was at the bottom of the depth chart. But, I mean, you become his his number one fan, in a sense, on Twitter. What, what have you seen out of him that you really like? Well, if I'm being honest, a lot of it dates back to I saw what he did against Cincinnati last year. I think he had eight tackles. I mean, the guy just flashed. He was all over the field. 
can line up at end, can line up inside. But to me, he's just a guy that's motor just does not quit. And you just see him, you know, he, it's almost like he's going to do whatever the hell it takes to pick and pry his way uh, to get to the quarterback. And it's funny because he wears a number that a lot of Dolphin fans are, are familiar with. He, he dons the number 92, and I don't know if that number has any significance to you. D- does it in Dolphins history? Too young, it does not. John Denny. John Denny wore number uh, 92. It's good. Touche. Touche. So, 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 we got, so we got Zach Steeler here. You know, he's rocking the 92. And this guy, I mean, we, we, we know they drafted Christian Wilkins. You know, they drafted Raekwon Davis. But to see Zach Steeler, I mean, he's taking on two blocks and opening things up for other players. And he even said in his press conference, you know, it's sometimes about celebrating the other players. And it's about opening things up so they can go out there and make plays. It's not just if he's going out there making the tackle or getting the sack. It's about opening things up to let those guys next to you make plays. Zach Sealer's not only taking on two blocks and allowing those other guys to make plays, but he's doing it all himself. I mean, he can do a little bit of everything. He can rush the passer with speed, but mostly this dude is just a big body that can move players, finds his way to the quarterback, finds his way to make plays in the run game, and I think he needs to get more snaps, just like Andrew Van Ginkle needs to get more snaps, because we joke, he plays like his hair's on fire. We all see that beautiful main of hair he has avg i mean he was all over the field he looked like vince beagle you know he looked like vince beagle on on speed he was out there just making <laughs> plays and and that's what you want you want to see all these guys kind of come together and i think my favorite part about the miami dolphins and it's been this way since brian flores got here you know it doesn't matter where you came from it doesn't matter what you've done before it matters who's playing the best football right now and that's the way these these pass rushers have been playing you know Okay, Shaq Lawson's getting that big contract. Emmanuel Agba's getting that big contract. But if Andrew Van Ginkle at the end of the game is going out there making those plays, Andrew Van Ginkle's in the game. We saw the same thing with Zach Sealer. He was in the game getting those reps over some of those other guys like Raekwon Davison and uh, Christian Wilkins. So that's what I love the most about the Dolphins. You know, they're going out there and they're competing every day. And Zach Sealer, you know, he embodies this. He was picked up off waivers from the Baltimore Ravens, made some plays towards the end of last year. Didn't really get to see those snaps early on this season, but we're starting to see it slowly come together. And I'm excited because, again, this is a young player. This is a young team. And he just embodies everything that the Miami Dolphins does. And, you know, he talks about how he goes out there and hunts alligators and does these other things. This is a guy that's hunting quarterbacks, and and I'm glad he's a Miami Dolphin, and I want to see more snaps out of him. Yeah, and, you know, that's basically the point. You know, you need that front four to make plays. you got to get – Rush, uh, Russ moving around, and those high motor guys are the ones who are going to be able to chase uh, Westbrook. I got to stop calling Russell Westbrook. I'm too, I'm too basketball oriented at the moment. I apologize. Uh, pressure Russ with four. That is that. To wrap it up there for our three keys of the game, I think it's it's simple. You know, you got to go to the air early. You have to trust your guys and, and pressure Russ. I think it's that simple. I mean, it's obviously easier said than done, but I mean, if you do those three things, the Dolphins are looking their way into a strong performance Sunday at home. Uh, moving on, we have one. We each have a player who could have a big game. Like, who needs to have a bigger game for the Dolphins? And, you know, I hate to be this guy. I mean, I feel like I'm a wet blanking, but I mean, it just still needs to be said. Miles Gaskin needs to play better for the Miami Dolphins. Listen, I know he has been solid, I know he's been okay, but to be a starting running back in the NFL, you need to be better than okay. You need to make plays when plays aren't there. You know, if you're running the ball up the middle six times, you need to be able to make one of those into something. You need to turn chicken chicken poop into chicken salad once in a while. It's just, it's not fair. It's not right. But it is it's what football is. These players are in the NFL for a certain reason, right? So the Dolphins have Breida, have Howard waiting for their shot. Gaskin's volume has been out of this world. And, you know, he was awesome early on for the Dolphins Thursday night. I was feeling like a genius starting him in my fantasy team. But he quickly disappeared. He averaged three yards per carry in the second half. His 
152 yards on 38 attempts this year equals four yards a carry. But, I mean, he has a long of 15. I don't see him breaking a couple tackles. I don't see him making a couple guys miss. And that's really what's keeping him from being that next-level running back that the Dolphins can kind of lean on in and out of games. He needs to make some guys miss. He hasn't had one play of 20 yards or more on the ground or through the air. He's been fine. I'm not saying he's bad. But you want and you should ask for more from your running back. He doesn't have a touchdown on the year. Yes, you could argue that Jordan Howard has something to say about that. But, I mean, like I said, inside the 10, inside the 20, he, you should have a running back who once in a while can break off that 15-yard gash for the touchdown where it's, oh, he just kind of walked right in. What happened here? You know, that that's kind of what we expect for him to take that next step. Making guys miss, he has to do more than taking what is given to him. Otherwise, the Dolphins, who have given Gaskin a crazy volume percentage that's ranged between 80 to 88 percent, should looking at look at other guys. Not because Gaskin's bad. That is definitely not what I'm trying to say here. But if he's getting an 88 percent of the volume as both a receiver and a pass catcher, he can't play like he did in the second half, averaging the three yards per carry. He needs to do something. He needs to make you say, "Wow, opposing teams need a game plan for him." Because I think teams, when they see Miles Gaskin and they see what he's done. I think they'll take that any day of the week because while he's been decent, he's helped them move the chains for sure, he hasn't been the guy to really hurt opposing defenses. Yeah, and it's hard to argue with that, but we do have to reiterate, like we said earlier, the Dolphins did seemingly take the foot off the pedal a little bit, and it did seem like mm-hmm. they were kind of one-dimensional right. and just going out there and, you know, Kalen Balazna, you know, running into a cloud of dust. And I do think, you know, say Miles Gaskin had one of those touchdown runs at the goal line, or even two, you look at those stats then, four yards per carry, you know, the 158 yards and two touchdowns, you're slowly starting to say, okay, you know, is this guy a potential superstar? And I made a joke during the – um what was it, the Sunday night game or Baltimore? Baltimore and Kansas City, the Monday night game, and it flashed up that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had, I believe it was 31 carries, 180-some yards, and I compared it to what Miles Gaskins did at the same time with the same carries, and it was about 30 yards difference, and I know a lot of fans would have loved to take CEH, but you're looking at it from that perspective, and yes, he's in the most potent offense in, you know, in recent years in Kansas City, and, you know, he's putting up similar numbers to Miles Gaskins, so I don't know that we can be too hard on Miles Gaskins, but I do think what a lot of it comes back to is the fact that they, they've signed Jordan Howard, you know, the fact is they traded for Matt Burita, the fact is they, they felt the need to go out there and find a running back, and then all of a sudden they're like, okay, no, this is our guy, we're going to feed him the football and let him go out there and make make plays I do think that this is the week like you said that he might you know I think he this is the week where you see that 20 plus yard run and he kind of goes out there and makes more of those plays that you hope to see a a guy with his speed you want to see him make those players miss and be explosive with the football and I think early on I mean I think Miles Gaskins is an adequate job and I think that's kind of why he's filled in as that RB1 my guy and you brought up a great point with Byron Jones you know he's working out on the bike Xavier Howard seems like he's all systems go I'm still going to go with Noah Igbenogany because to me I don't know that the Dolphins are going to have Byron Jones and Xavier Howard for this game. And if they do, both these players are a little banged up, so they might allow Noah Igbenogany a larger role to take on a guy like Tyler Lockett. And we mentioned, you know, earlier in the week, Brian Flores said the Miami Dolphin cornerbacks might not be the same as they were in week one. Obviously, that was before this positive news about Byron Jones and even Xavier Howard. But this would obviously be a game changer. I mean, having both those players uh, on Sunday seems a I don't want to say impossible, but to me, it seems like it's an uphill battle. So I feel like everyone loved Nick Needham last year until they did it. You know, everyone's getting in fights with his mom on Twitter, which is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Everyone loves Tay Hayes and, you know, guys at Flash. I-, I want to see more out of Byron Jones, but I think Noah Igbenogany is 
I want to see more out of Noah Igbenogany. He has to step up and step up big. DK Metcalf is a monster. You hope that Byron Jones or Xavier Howard, whichever one's lined up with him, can contain him. And assuming that one of these guys can't go, I mean, Tyler Tyler Lockett's a speed demon, like you said, the most underrated receiver. I mean, we all play fantasy football, and I avoid him every year. And he every year he's putting up those consistent numbers and being the the key cog. You know, he's he's Russell Wilson's most trustworthy arsenal in his in his weaponry and we see 14 touchdowns like we're going to continue to say the the guy's playing out of his mind and they got to find a way to stop him Igbenogany admits his game versus Buffalo was ugly uh we mentioned he got beat time and time again on those crossers I think if if no Igbenogany is lined up in t- against Tyler Lockett one-on-one why is Seattle not going to go out there and try to do the same thing and give Tyler Lockett that speed to go across the defense and beat Igbenogany deep I think we got to see how much he progressed from that weak two dismal performance against Stefan Diggs and see if he can bounce back because if Byron Jones and Xavier Howard are both healthy and that to me is a huge if he'll still play a guy like David Moore he still might have to cover a running back out of the backfield he'll still have to go in there and make plays I need to see more out of Noah Benogna I need to see him be that dog that he was last week and I need to have that be more about the fact that you know he's going out there and shutting down a guy like Tyler Lockett and not so much that you know DJ Chark's out of this game, so it's a, it's a little bit different. I want to see Noah Igbenogany have that dog in him. I want to go out there and see him shut him down. And I think if he can do that, you know, if he if Noah Igbenogany's playing well, I think that entire secondary's playing well. And at that point, like you said, that, that pass rush up front, they're going to feast, and it, the Dolphins might have a fighting chance. I completely agree with that. I 100% agree with that. And, and no matter where he's going to li- line up, you hit the nail on the head. If he's playing well, I don't see how that whole secondary is uh, playing well. Obviously, being a rookie – Cornerback's one of the hardest positions to learn, and we're expecting a lot from him. But, I mean, you're a first-round pick. I mean, and it's not like he's going to be cut or, or traded if he plays bad, but, I mean, you, you'd like to see him, you know, if he can come in, be a huge surprise. You're feeling good about what Chris Greer and, and Brian Flores can accomplish in this team building. And, you know, even if he's covering that third guy, he can be – we don't want him to be the guy that can be picked on like we saw Nick Needham a couple weeks ago. Moving on, we have our final thoughts here, and – you know, rightfully so, everybody is picking the Seattle Seahawks to win. Um, I don't think the Dolphins can necessarily win a shootout if they're down, you know, 17, down 20 early. I think this they're doomed. But I think they have a legit shot to win this game. Yes, I'm a homer. Yes, I got the glasses on. But um, you can't ignore all these injuries the Seattle Seahawks have. I mean, that list, you said it, is a Christmas list among injuries. They're getting them at the absolute right time. They're traveling from the West Coast to South Florida, which is not an easy trip. I don't want to compare these two teams, but I'm just going to bring it up. We saw how poor Oakland looked coming to uh, New England last week. We can't take for granted that travel. I mean, we really can't. It is tough to do. I think this game genuinely comes down to when the Dolphins will need the sprinkler system to go off. Uh, You remember 2012, the sprinklers go off the Dolphins and Ryan Tannehill's rookie season beat Russell West. Oh, my God. I'm going to start finding myself every time I do this. Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. And by that, I mean, in, in terms of when they need the sprinkler to go off, when will they need a miracle? If they're already asking for a miracle early in the game, they're doomed. But if you get into that third quarter and that fourth quarter and you're saying, you know, maybe one Jakeem Grant punt returner, maybe one catch and run by Devontae Parker could be the difference. The Dolphins have a legitimate shot here. And I'm going to look like a, a fool because there is a good chance the Dolphins could simply get blown out. They're still rebuilding. This is still a progress. But I mean... There's a lot to like about this team. There's a few matchups that you're really, really excited for. And I think the Dolphins have a shot. I'm telling you, 
I think the Dolphins could do this. I'd rather sit here and tell you my team's going to win than go into a week thinking my team's going to lose. The Dolphins have the guts. We're due for some good luck with what happened to the Miami Heat and all their injuries. I'm going to say 34-30 Miami Dolphins because we have the guts. Guts do you have? You're probably too young to have watched Guts. No, where they climb. get out of here. Get out of here. Guts do you have? You're climbing the aggro crack. Okay, you watched the reruns of Guts like 15 oh, yeah. years late. <laughs> um, for, for me, though, and I just kind of had an epiphany while you were sitting there talking, and to me, this is that game where the Dolphins got to lay it all on the line. You know, we, they talked to Danny Crossman, the Dolphins special teams coach, and asked, you know, when are we going to see some of those trick plays? This is the game. You know, you're not going to beat Seattle unless you, you're bold on fourth down, unless you go out there and, you know, maybe Lynn Bowden lines up in the Wildcat. You know, maybe Malcolm Perry's active. You don't know what the issue could be. I'm a Dolphins over. I, I have been since the womb. And although I failed to predict week one versus New England, I've done okay over the last two weeks. I love Miami's chances against that age Swiss cheese that some refer to as Seattle secondary. We mentioned that huge Christmas list of injuries. We mentioned the sprinkling system. I was on Fox Sports Radio Southwest Florida earlier this week, and they did throw out a statistic that in the last two years, the Seattle Seahawks have not lost a game when traveling from the West Coast to East Coast. So maybe they figured something out since those sprinklers came on. I don't know. But the Dolphins, they got to lay it out on the line. I do think they have a fighting chance, especially if Byron Jones is healthy, especially if Xavier Howard's healthy, and especially if they can go out there, like we said, rush the passer, the secondary steps up, and go out there and exploit all those injuries in that secondary. I'm, I'm still going to have to go with Russell Wilson. He's playing like he's possessed. Mm-hmm. He has 14 touchdowns in three weeks. I'm sorry, but I have to go with the Seattle Seahawks, 38-31. It's going to be an absolute shootout. But, I mean, I, I truly think that if the Dolphins can even keep this game close and go out there and at least try to match what Seattle's doing, I think that has to be a huge step in the right direction. I mean, you'd never want to take a moral victory out of something, but if you can go out there and play the Seattle Seahawks, who right now, again, Russell Wilson's playing out of his damn mind, you can go out there and even keep this game close and, and show that, you know, okay, we can hang with some of the NFL's elite. I mean, that's a huge step for a young football team who's only going to get better over the next few years. So, a loss wouldn't be the end all, but if this team wins this game, I mean, I might be streaking around Pennsylvania butt naked. <laughs> and I don't think nobody would blame you. And yet, you know, I know we're, we're kind of wrapping it up here, but but this is kind of the progress you want to see through the, the season. Obviously, I say trust the guys, and obviously the Dolphins might just play it safe early in the year as guys get comfortable being on the field. There was no preseason. So I think we're going to learn a lot over these next couple of weeks, whether this is a win or a loss. What do they do on those fourth and ones? What do they do on those third and six to set up the fourth and ones? You know, what are they doing in the red zone? Where does the creativity come in? Because there hasn't been much of that. Uh, so far, but obviously we saw it at the end of last season. The Dolphins can be a very creative football team, and that might just be something where it takes a couple weeks. You want to put together some film of, hey, maybe they everyone thinks we're a vanilla offense, and all of a sudden you start to add these wrinkles as the season goes on. And, you know, I still... I don't know how sustainable uh, Russell Wilson may be. Yes, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and I'm not going to try to debate that, but I don't think he's going to throw five touchdowns every week. Will this be one of those weeks? I'm not sure, but, you know, I'm crossing my fingers. Brian Flores, he was brought into the big defensive guy. This could be his chance to really show that, hey, you know, it isn't just the Patriot way. It's turning into the Dolphin way, too. But... That, I think, kind of wraps up what we have to say about this game. It's exciting. It's We've had 10 days off. The Dolphins had some time to get healthy and prepare for this game. And, and Josh, I think it's going to be close, whether it's high scoring. I think the Dolphins are going to have a shot to win this game, as we both mentioned. Let us know what you guys think. Shoot us messages on Twitter. I can be found at jmendel94. Houts is simply at Houts, and I cannot say it again. H-O-U-T-Z is one of the most important followers you can have 
follows, excuse me, you can have on Twitter because he's going to present every little chunk of information, every little chunk of Dolphins content that is out on the internet. Josh is going to get a hold of it one way or another, and that's what makes him such a strong part of the Dolphin fan base, and that's why he makes this podcast what it is. If you are enjoying what you listen to, be sure, be sure, be sure, be sure to smash that subscribe button. Leave a comment. Leave a review. That stuff helps us so, so much. It helps us grow our audience. And our audience is what makes this show. So thank you guys so much for listening. We're looking forward to the Dolphins and the Seahawks this week. Stay tuned. Next week, we might be cooking up some sort of giveaway with one of our favorite players. That should be the giveaway in itself. But we will give you more information. <laughs> Gave it away go, for us. Go Dolphins. Last but not least, Josh said it best. Go Dolphins. Fins up. Fins up, baby. Go Dolphins. Beat Seattle. We got this. Fins up, baby. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air. We're on the ground. We're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami.